But what you realize is that what's the number one temptation for men? Passivity, right? So every time you initiate, what are you doing? You're giving him the option to be passive. Exactly. And so what do a lot of guys take when they come home after hard days of work? If you give them the option, what are they going to take? A nap. (laughs) That's right. The option. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. It's a journey that you must take on your own, but but we will come <laughs> alongside you to be your guides, to encourage you, to sometimes challenge you, and always to tell bad jokes along the way. Yes. My name is Jesse Mayer. I will be your host, and we cannot do the Salty Pastor Podcast without the Salty Pastor himself, Dr. Douglas Peak. <laughs> well, it's good to be here, everybody, and I just want to remind you that the whole purpose of our podcast is to help you learn to think for yourself. So that means teaching you various ways of thinking, various ways of gathering data and evaluating its efficacy. That's a really big deal. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that that uh, do you believe anything you're told? Uh, how does your brain organize information? How does it receive it? And that's why I've always said that uh, what you believe is one of the most important things about you. And it's also why I am very, very critical of postmodern deconstructionism, because that is the predominant way in which people are taught to think, taught how to process information, how taught to screen the information that comes in to them and then come up with these conclusions. But as all philosophers have pointed out that this whole notion of deconstructionism always ends up in uh, nihilism or nihilism. And that means an absolute meaninglessness in life. And so Sometimes it's not what you're thinking about, but it's how you're thinking about what you're thinking that ends up oftentimes in the conclusions you come up with and your lostness and our confusion. And we wonder why we don't make progress, why we don't grow, why, why we don't move forward or ever fulfill any objectives, dreams or ideas or, or things that we have set in life. And we kind of just go through life. So many people today in America empty and lost. And I see this increasing uh, in women in particular. And so why is that? They have more opportunity, more wealth, more control, more choice, more capacity, more doors open to them than any other time in human history. Guys have it too, but it's so interesting how so few are taking advantage of it and so few are actually experiencing better quality of life. So I find Mm -hmm. that really fascinating. And that's why we're doing this series, The Future is Male and Female. Well, and I think just in general, this podcast has really forced me to start evaluating on a more regular basis what I'm being told Mm -hmm. and how I'm thinking. Like even just the education summit that you spoke at last week, uh, weekend, we, as I was listening to some of these other speakers, I was going through and going, well, yes, but also no, I'm not going to take <laughs> everything you tell, you know, yes. just cause you have a stat attached to it. Yeah. Doesn't mean I'm going to immediately take it as truth. And yes. I have to think on this and sit yes. on this and go, okay, well maybe I see where you're trying to go with that, but I think you're going about it in a yeah. way that's not going to ultimately benefit people. So, and that's a victory. Those yeah, are critical I mean, thinking especially skills. Especially when I think a lot of us, I know for myself, before I started doing this podcast with you, it was really easy for me to kind of just like turn my brain off and kind of accept <laughs> anything I was told. And I just like, you know, I'm a pretty like 
easygoing guy when it comes to just like, I'll just kind of go with the flow. I don't, I don't fight people on things a lot, but since this podcast, I've started being a little bit more like, okay, I got to turn my brain on and get it running. And <laughs> Hey, that's our that, new tagline. Yeah, turn your brain on. <laughs> turn your salty pastor, helping you turn, turn your, your brain, brain on. So while we, <laughs> we got to be careful because that could be taken the wrong yeah, way in this could, day and age. That could be taken the wrong way. Um, that'll be a special secret bonus bumper sticker that we send out to our special yes. visitors. Um, we are in a current yeah. series titled The Future is Male and Female, like you had alluded to. Mm -hmm. We started off with the importance of males, and now we are on to talking about females. We kind of just um, started that last week, and then on Tuesday we did some more study um, in the word about what the Bible says about females. And we had a great celebration of mothers on Sunday yeah, and yeah. all that they are and who they are to us in the world. So all of this has kind of accumulated into this week's kind of focus, which is what does an authentically feminine female look yeah. like? Well, you know, I, I just hear right now a, a rumble of feet causing minor earthquakes all across America as women are running to listen to this podcast. Yes. Two guys tell Discussing females <laughs> what it means to be a female. This feels like something that would end up on one of the news channels at some point. <laughs> <laughs> a, a meme, a satirical yes. meme. Well, first of all, as I've said before, I, I can't tell a woman what it means to be authentically feminine uh, as a woman because I don't know. I'm not a woman. I've never been a woman. And this is what's interesting is it doesn't matter even if there's a, a male who is more effeminate because that's real common. I mean, it's it is biologically true that testosterone is at all different levels within males. Yeah. But what is also true is that all males are XY chromosomes at the genetic level and you cannot change that. Correct. So, so if you're XY, even if you have, let's say very low testosterone and you took puberty blockers or whatever, your brain chemistry at its core level still functions just like a computer operating system with XY. Mm -hmm. And so no matter how much you think you know what it is to be a woman, no matter how much you might imagine that you are a woman in reality, you're not, and right. you can't be. And so that's, that's the danger in what's happening with all of this notion, this ideology that says gender is a social construct and it's not rooted in biology. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in dualism as we get towards the end of this podcast. But, but that's why I can't say this is what it means to be a feminine. Only a feminine woman can discover in her relationship with God what it means to be authentically a feminine woman. I can share what the New Testament actually says to females, but you as a female are going to process it differently because you're female, which is right. fine. That's the way God works. I, I can share observations from three decades of working with people, working with uh, relationships and marriages and in preaching the gospel of uh, what works and doesn't work. You know, it's this, uh, what is that, uh, Glad, Gladstone, is that his name, who talks about how to become proficient. It's 10,000 hours yes. and anything. And say, so I have surpassed the 10,000 hour thing in full-time ministry, <laughs> so I'm good to go there. I could share knowledge of all of the ideologies and where they come from that hinder your process of discovering what it means to be authentically female. So that's my goal is to hopefully give you tools to help you think through it and come to your own conclusion. 
So since it is up to women to yes. discover what God teaches about being authentically feminine, in order to really make up their own minds, what are some of the hindrances that our modern women are running into because of our culture? Well, I'd like I'd like to kind of just talk real quick in a general sense about third wave feminism today. And in order to do that, I need to tell you a little bit of a story, a historical story. OK, and this has to do with the Bolshevik Revolution in communist Russia uh, prior to this period of time is the population of communist Russia was pretty high. It was under a czarist. It was like a feudal system. It was an updated feudal system. And that basically meant you had peasants and and uh, it was a class structure. That is true. And it was uh, most people didn't own their own land. They were a uh, feudal system is a form of slavery, economic slavery. Um, that is true. Uh, what happened, though, is pretty much it it was doing well uh, prior to that. And the hundred years prior to the revolution, uh, the, the Russian army and the Russian culture had a tremendous influence on Europe and had a lot of impact and, and did a lot of things. But uh, during the Bolshevik revolution, prior to it, uh, on occasion, there would be a, a famine, but they're fairly short-lived because the farmers out in the countryside and 90 some percent of the people in Russia were based in agriculture. They're out on farms in little tiny towns and villages and so forth, working the land. And what happened is when the Bolsheviks took over, they took over in the centers of power. So power was centralized there in Moscow with the czars. Those people were then overthrown, all right, and killed. And then the Bolsheviks took over. And at their core, they had this ideology. They had, they had multiple ones, but their ideology was this, is that you are being oppressed um, by capitalists. So anybody who has done a decent job at something, if they've gotten any profit or benefited from that, it's because they oppressed other people and raped the land because profit is innately evil. So people are like, well, okay, that sounds like a great idea. Maybe if you want to have more egalitarian society, well, you have to understand how this actually rolled out. And it's, it's the Kulakification and Kulak is spelled K U L A C. And this is what happened is, uh, Europe, particularly, I'm sorry, Russia, particularly Ukraine was considered the breadbasket. I mean, they grew all the wheat and all the you know, stuff there. 90% of the people were peasants living out there. And as all small communities do, some of the farmers were very proficient. They were hard workers. They were smart. They'd come up with new strategies uh, and technology. And so they produced tons and tons of food, right? And then in every small community, you also have those people who, well, I'm not as smart as Joe down there, you know, cause he, he works. That's all he does is work. And he's, you know, he's pretty smart and doing stuff. And I, I like knowing Joe because I go over there and, you know, and I find new technology on what's he doing and we will collaborate. He, he, he's more successful than me at the farm, but I'm satisfied. I'm content. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm part of the Russian Orthodox church. I love God. I love my family. We're doing great. We're, we're not driven, you know, to be the best, but we're doing fine. So you have that big middle class of group of people in these small towns. And then in every small town, you know what you have, you have a unconscientious vagabond. It's the mm. guy that grew up. Uh, sometimes he's the son or the grandson of the really wealthy farmer, you know, who was grew up spoiled and he spends all of his time at the, 
that the pub or the local watering hole, everything he tries to do, he fails at, and then he blames everybody else for his failures. You know what I'm saying? Every town has those couple of people, right? Yep. So what happens? The Bolsheviks take over and they send out a legion of communist party leaders that go out into these small towns and they come to these small towns, they gather the people together and they say, oh, you see that rich farmer over there or these people that have done better? They, they did it because they oppressed you. And so the, who, who is attracted to that message? The people that are not doing yes, as well. The most unconscientious, right. the biggest failures, you know, the people who feel like victims. So what they did is they would go and they would say, well, I know who these people are and where they live. And so the Bolsheviks would go out there and they arrest these people, take all of their stuff. They shipped them to Siberia and they died. Mm. They either froze to death or starved to death. So that happened in one year. So they cleansed. Well, guess what happened over the next three years? The production of food dropped by over, I don't know what it was, 60, 70%. Mm. And so for the next three to five years, 20 million Ukrainians starved to death. Most people don't know this. More people starved to death in Ukraine and Russia than Hitler killed in World War II just uh, after that. So, So it's really fascinating. You never hear about the the Bolsheviks starving their own people to death because of their ideology, right? We hear about Hitler and what he did all the time, but what they did was worse than what Hitler did, but you Mm. never hear about it. So, uh, what, what does this mean for us today? Well, this is what it means is in the sixties and seventies, the feminists in their third wave tried to take over society with what is known as the equal rights amendment. Okay. And so, uh, at its core, they believed that any male that was masculine was toxic because he he upheld the patriarchy and Here are some of the quotes. I've read these before, and these are various quotes of uh, feminists and so forth that, uh, in their opinion, let me pull it up here real quick. Uh, uh, This is uh, Sheila Jeffries. She says, when a a woman reaches uh, sexual fulfillment with a man, she is only collaborating with the patriarchal system, eroticizing her own uh, oppression. Catherine McKinnon, a famous author, says, politically, I call it rape whenever a woman has any sex and feels violated. Uh, They go in there and say, I want uh, Andrew Dworkin. I want to see a man beaten to a bloody pulp with a high-heeled shoe shoved in his mouth like an apple in the mouth of a pig. Uh, Sheila Cronin, the little leader of the feminist organization now says since marriage constitutes slavery for women, it is clear that women's movement must concentrate on attacking this institution. Freedom for women cannot be won without the abolition of marriage. Linda Gordon, the nuclear family must be destroyed. Whatever its ultimate meaning, the breakup of families now is the objectively revolutionary process. Um, I could just go on and on and on and say, this is the ideology that men are not, uh, uh, men are the evil problem and must be gotten rid of. Okay. So what happened is this ideology, then uh, a swarm of these feminists went out into the universities and public education system. And the vast majority of women didn't listen to it. They're like, well, this is crazy. You know, I'm a wife and I'm a mother of three boys. And so I'm not really into man hating. Um, I want women to have the same opportunity as men. 
right? But they didn't but they didn't really say anything. Just like the Bolsheviks went into these small towns, the people in the middle were like, I'm just so glad they're not pointing the finger at me right now. Mm-hmm. So they didn't really say anything. But what happened is it appealed to the least conscientious women of all, the ones who felt slighted in the social structure, the ones who felt they didn't have a chance. So they pointed their fingers at all of the strong, capable uh women who are pro femininity and then had them shipped off to ideological Siberia. So all you have to do is you have to look at the end result of what happened in our universities and in our public education system and just see over the last 30 years that what happened was I'd like equal pay or equal opportunity for women has shifted to, we must have equal dictated outcomes, even if it means at the suppression of men, we want to destroy the nuclear family. We want to destroy motherhood. We want to destroy all of these things. Well, guess what? Who was there in these institutions to speak against it? Well, all of those women who wanted to had been shipped off to Siberia. Mm. So, What's happened in today's world is the end result is that so many girls are raised in these ideological echo chambers and grow up famished. There's, there is a famine and the, the famine they're experiencing isn't a famine of good guys. It's a famine of the soul. It's a famine of how to have a meaningful relationship. And that is so many women are attempting to find meaning in their relationships by using a feminist ideological framework of thinking. And those two are incongruent and it undermines women's capacity to bond and to actually have long-term meaningful, loving relationships with other women, with men, with their parents, with their extended family, and ultimately with their children. Mm. And so that I think is what is hindering women from discovering authentic femininity in life. So this single ideological perspective is hindering women from discovering their true selves. What can a woman who wants to know who she's meant to be do now that she's aware that there's this ideological perspective? Well, I think that what people need to realize is this feminist movement. And the reason I talked about the kulaks and what happened in the bullshits is based upon Marxist ideology. Okay. It, their entire approach is based upon the Frankfurt school of critical social theory and their, the, their whole approach is class structures and their desire is equal outcome. And you see just recently this issue cropping up in California. Um, three years ago in California, they passed a law that every corporate board had to have a certain representation of females and minorities. And so what happened is it wasn't, well, the corporate board needs to reflect people who know what they're doing right? Because the health of the corporation is important. It, that didn't matter. It had to be that. So what happened is all these companies fled California because they're like, well, we can't find the people we need. And you know, that group of people just going based on skin or gender color, we're not doing what's best for the company. If they happen to be the right skin or gender color for this law, great. But if you're going to force me into picking someone just because of the way they look or the anatomy they have, then 
you know, I could pick someone who's completely mm-hmm. and I'm just trying to check a box. Yeah. And so that that's that ideology is Marxist. And that is, is that and so. So I think if you if you're a female and you want to discover what true femininity is, is that you have to realize in the society in which you live is that the ideology of what it says to be a woman is Marxist in its orientation. And then there's postmodernism and deconstructionism in regards to that as well, that basically says your feelings about situations and your feelings about who you think you are uh, actually determine who you are. And of course, in the Bible, it teaches quite often that no, what really helps you discover who you are is your responsibilities that you accept, okay, that you willingly accept. No one can force you to be responsible, but as a female and as a male, it's the same. You have to accept your own responsibility. And then what that means then is that you have to discover who you really are. And that is, well, just like males, I'm a female, but I'm tainted. And so not everything I want, not everything I feel, not everything I think is pure. Mm. So because of that, who do I turn to, to help me understand myself? Well, that's why accepting responsibility and then... Uh, kind of walking in a deeper ideology that my true self can only be discovered in Christ. C.S. Lewis said this, he goes, our true selves are waiting for us in Jesus. Mm. So in order to discover my true self, I'm going to have to get rid of this feminist Marxist ideology that I've been taught to think with. I have to get rid of that. And I can't go around life thinking that I'm not happy because I'm not getting what I want. You know, I have to think, um, why am I not being fulfilled by the endeavors that I'm making? See, that's a different question And the scriptures always have a different answer to that question. So on Tuesday, we did, um, see that apostle Peter suggests that women will discover their authentic feminine strength when they approach life in gentleness, self-control and a willingness to subject. Now, we kind of talked about the context of these words and what these words actually meant in the time as opposed to what we think they mean in modern context and what the um, culture has spun these words to mean in the modern culture. But how do we take that teaching that we discussed on Tuesday of Mm -hmm. Apostle Peter's desire for these things for women um, as inspired by God, um, how do they take that today and make it work in today's world where basically everyone says these things are not the way you should be acting and if you do act that way then you are hurting your fellow sisters and causing a great disservice to yourself well i think we have to go back to this idea of of uh and this is what i want to talk about the whole notion of uh dualism and that is in early christianity uh, there was the issue of the Judaizers. And these were a group of people at the very onset of Christianity that said, well, Christianity is simply a reform move- movement of Judaism. And it's the next stage. Yeah. And so in order to become, if you're a Gentile and you want to follow Jesus, you have to become Jewish. Okay. Follow all the customs, yeah. do the circumcision, do the whole thing, all of yeah. the things. Yeah. And so... Of course, the early church said, no, that's not what Jesus taught, and that's not true. And Paul, the Pharisee, who uh, became a Christian, follower of Christ, was the one who basically debunked most of that. And so, obviously, through the power of the Holy Spirit inspiring him to write these words, it was revelatory. And so, okay, that we take it that way. So, what happened, though, is the next thing that came up was dualism. And dualism was based on a belief system that was propagated originally by Socrates and Plato, and it was 
a spiritual perspective of the world. And it was the notion that uh, it's called idealism and, and, and dualism. And it came from the original notion that uh, for everything that you see in this reality, in the spiritual realm, there's a perfect represent, there's a perfect, it's perfect there. And here you have an imperfect representation. So this table that we're sitting at right now is simply a reflection of there's a spiritually out there, there's a perfect table like this. And so that's why this thing has flaws is because it's imperfect. Mm. And so over time, it just, so basically material things are bad and spiritual things are good. And so they, they kind of went that, and that produced in the Greek culture, two things. It, it produced a hedonism, which is, well, as long as I have the right idea, I can do anything I want because it mm-hmm. doesn't matter here. And so people got really lascivious and crazy or stoicism. And that is, is that I deny everything here because it's bad and I don't want it to have any control over me or asceticism. So it kind of birthed those things. Now, why is that a big deal to bring up? Cause most ladies are thinking, what does that have to do with anything? Well, what happens today, ladies, is that in today's world, what the world wants you to do is it wants to denigrate your femaleness. And what it does is it separates your inner person from your outer person. And this is the whole notion of gender identity and why it is so perniciously bad for anybody who buys into it. Because what it does is it takes Gnostic dualism to the extreme. Mm. And it says, what I think I am okay, is who I am, regardless of what my physicality or physiology says I am. Mm. And so the problem, though, with this at its core is this, is that who you think you are is a result of your physiology. It's created in your, you know, your brain mass, which is what? Physical Physical. reality. Right. And so that's why it's a illogical loop. And that's why psychologists even today still say, uh, even in the latest update, they still say uh, in some of these organizations like the American Psychological Association is the most left wing organization you can imagine still say today that it's body dysmorphia. In other words, you you're thinking something different than reality. And that is a psychological problem. Mm. Okay. That's a problem. And so it's not a solution. So what happens is society ladies is trying to denigrate your femaleness by separating your biological body from your inner psychological person. It's trying to create a dualistic idea there. And the more it pulls you apart, the more it denigrates your physiology and your femaleness and what makes you uniquely special in the eyes of God. So that's a big deal. And you're going to have to deal with that. And the biggest thing about your biology that is wired this way in the way that you think, not how you've been taught to think, but the way your body chemistry actually works in your brain for making decisions is that you are a responder. You respond. Now, This is what's really interesting is I'll tell you a story about this couple came in to see me. This is probably about six, seven years ago and they were married. They'd been married for, I don't know, 15 years. They had three kids. Uh, Divorce was not an option, but she is like, I am so frustrated and so frustrated and so frustrated. And so I said, why? And she says, well, because, you know, I've thought and thought about it. And that is, is that he won't initiate anything. You know, I have to do everything. I have to make the decisions. I have to do the budgeting. I have to do this. I have to do that, blah, 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 blah. And 
I look at him and I said, is that true? And he goes, well, yeah, I mean, I go to work and I work really hard at work. I have a very physically demanding job. And so I just don't want to think about that stuff and I don't want to do it and she'll do it. Mm. And so I thought, okay, so here's the issue is, is this is when the capability of women interferes with what women want. Okay. The capability of women interferes with what they really want. Now, can a woman initiate? Yes. Does she have the skill set to initiate? Yes. Does she have the intellect? Yes. Uh, does she have the possibility potential? Yes. But what happens when she does, right? Okay, so what happens is when you initiate, you take away your nature to want to respond, right? So when women have to initiate all the time and everything, they do two, one of two things happens that I have seen. The first thing that happens is they're exhausted. Mm. They're just mentally and emotionally exhausted. Or two, they lose all respect for the guys in their life. They just lose respect. When they, when they initiate, get everything they want, they just lose respect for the guy. Okay. Mm. And in this case, she had done both. She'd lost respect for him and she was exhausted. And so she's like pounding on the pastor's door saying, we've gone to all these therapists. None of them can help us. You know, we've got, and I said, well, here's the issue is that, is that you'll function better and you'll be happy and more fulfilled if you were just in the responding role in so many of these things. And she was like, yes, I believe, you know, so we talked through that a lot and she came to that conclusion. She says, absolutely. And I said, but what you realize is that what's the number one temptation for men? passivity, right? Yes. So every time you initiate, what are you doing? You're giving him the option to be passive. Exactly. And so what do a lot of guys take when they come home after hard days of work? If you give them the option, what are they going to take? A nap. <laughs> That's right. The option. <laughs> They're going to take the option. And so, and so gals are like, I said, okay, well, what am I supposed to do? Nothing. Yes. That's what you're supposed to do is, is that a, a guy will not put out a fire until there's what Flames. a fire. <laughs> he will not fix the plumbing in his house, you know, until it's what broken, right? He won't, you, you know what I'm saying? And, and so he, if he's allowed to be passive, he'll be passive. Okay. And that's why Peter said, what did he say? He said, husbands were won over by the behavior of their wives. Okay. So they were won over by behavior. What behavior did they exhibit? Pure and respectful behavior. Well, what does respect mean? See, what I think respect means is you you look at the way God wired a man, the way God wired you, and you respect that. Mm. And you say, okay, what's going to happen? And so I, and what happened in this particular case is she says, I don't know if I can do that. I just don't know if I can do that, you know, cause I'm just wired. I can't let things not be taken care of. And I said, well, then you're going to be, you know, on the same Path. path and roller coaster in this relationship. I said, I'm not suggesting you go home and just radically change everything, but why let's take the one area that you're most frustrated in and then let's address that. So she did. She picked one of those areas. She's really frustrated where he doesn't initiate blah, 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 blah. And it probably took nine months of 
inactivity in that area. And then he finally was like, yeah, she's serious. I better take care of this. And mm-hmm. so he started taking care of that. What happened? It's like Dave Ramsey's debt snowball. Mm-hmm. What happened is he took care of that. And then he felt real good about it. Good about it. And he felt better as a man in the relationship. And so he said, well, I'm going to take care of this. And then he stepped up to the plate to take care of that. And then he stepped up to the plate to take care of that. And, and that created that momentum flywheel, the snowball concept. And, uh, it took probably about five years. So it didn't change overnight. Right. But, and I wouldn't say it's perfect now, but she would say without a doubt that the guy I'm married to is, is the best version of himself. Mm. And I didn't realize that I was hindering that and driving myself crazy in the process. So, you know, I tell that story because I think everybody female needs to realize is that there is an opportunity for you to find your authentic feminine and live in it and be happy. And, but you got to respect how God designed males and how God designed females. If you respect that, I think you're going to be a lot more fulfilled in life. Well, thank you, Pastor Doug, for sharing all these thoughts with us. I know um, this can be a fine line that you have to walk where (laughs) we don't want to uh, pronounce that we know what's best for women, but we can uh, share insight that you've gleaned over the years from the Bible. And ultimately the Bible is where they should be looking for insight on how to Mm -hmm. be the best form of themselves they can be. So we appreciate that. We have been talking a lot about women, but I do want to do a quick announcement. Any of you men that are listening that are not signed up for the men's retreat, which is next week, May 19th through the 22nd, you need to do it. Mm -hmm. And if some of you women are, are listening to this and you're going, Hey, my husband maybe suffers from some of that passivity and maybe he needs a little bit of a jolt, maybe encourage them to go to this men's retreat because that's something that we talk about and I assume you'll be talking about in some of the stuff that yeah. you're going to be teaching. So and it, we call it a boot camp, not a retreat because a retreat you go and you sit and get talked at our yes. boot camp is all about activities. Doing. Yeah. It's all about doing stuff. We've got, uh, every morning it's a cross between the amazing race survivor and, uh, and some other weird reality, reality show. show. So it's just crazy. Some, you know, you working in teams and all these things that you have to accomplish. And then every afternoon is a massive time where all the guys go out You can go shooting, you go golfing, you can go mountain bike riding, hiking and stuff. If some, if somebody is uh, older and they can't do any of those activities, we're going to have movies there, you know, guy movies. So there's something for every guy, but it's all activity based, mm. recreational based, because we believe that men do best when they do. Right. Not when they sit and listen. Yes, absolutely. So um, go to foothills.org slash events if you are not signed yes. up or you need to get signed up. Um, we want you guys up there. We want to it's gonna be awesome. bond together and and be the best men we can be. So um, please get that sign up for that. And ultimately, we're going to be talking more about the ladies on Sunday as you uh, preach another amazing sermon about it. So I'm Yeah, and I'm going to get some special extra help on Sunday. I heard about this special extra help. I yes. think it's something that you won't want to miss. So make sure you tune in or come in person person to campus this Sunday Mm -hmm. to hear what Pastor Doug and his special guests have to say. So thank you guys so much. And we'll talk to you next week on the Salty Pastor Podcast. Blessings.